Welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome again to the series. It is that study. It's entitled Identity. And we've said when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Each and every one of us have a, a number of different roles, perhaps, in the aspect of our identity, man or woman, adult or young person or child, husband, wife, parent, child. There's, there's a lot of different aspects of our identity. Well, we've been looking at from the Word of God, what does God's Word say about you? What does God's Word say about me? If we are a believer, if we are a Christian, and we've been forgiven and set free, what are some of those roles? What are, what are a, a number of slices of those identity? So we've looked at ambassador. You and I are an ambassador for Christ. Uh, we, we took a trip back in time, right, with Christ's ambassador, CA. Some, some of you were going down memory lane together. But we are an ambassador. We represent Jesus Christ wherever we go. We said that you're a masterpiece. We realize that without Christ, what happens? We're a mess. Without Christ in our life, our life is a mess. But with Christ, he says, you are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. The last couple of weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Salt and light both aspects and identities that are to have an impact in our world as we connect with others. Today, as we close this out, we're looking at a, another aspect in that you and I are to be a disciple. A disciple. Now, if you take a look at the, uh, the word disciple and plug it into uh, the Bible dictionary or go online in a digital aspect, you'll see that there's about 300 uses of the word disciple or disciples throughout Scripture. And, of course, that depends on version and translation, but in other words, it's in there a bunch. Uh, one author writes this, The New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, and it's for disciples. So there's a whole lot of aspects of disciple in the Word of God. Jesus himself says this in Luke chapter 14, If you want to be my disciple, you must... Well, we'll finish that in just a little bit. We'll finish it. But there's a number of instances where Jesus says, if you do this, you're my disciple. If you do that, you are my disciple. And so today, the aspect is disciple. What is a disciple? How are you and I to live as disciples? That's what we're going to be exploring. So first of all, a disciple, we must then learn what Jesus says. A disciple is a learner of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. So first of all, a disciple is someone who learns. They're a learner. They learn what it is that Jesus says. Now, this word disciple was used first of many who learned a trade underneath a master craftsman or teacher. And in Bible days, you would be apprenticed underneath someone. 
Certainly there is some of that aspect in today's day and age of being apprenticed or uh, uh, interning or serving underneath of, you know, you kind of learn from somebody who does what you want to do. In a sense, you and I are to apprentice or we are to learn underneath the instruction of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, It came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So John had a number of disciples, those who were learning from him, and one of Jesus' disciples said, well, hey, can you teach us? Can you learn us too? We want to learn from you. We've got to know what the instructions of Jesus are. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus desire? It's not just the fact that we have surrendered our heart and life and said, God, clean me, cleanse me, forgive me, give me a brand new start, and then we just walk off in our own direction. We are to learn what it is that Jesus says, how we are to live. Well, how do you do that? A great way to do that is digging into the Word of God. To learn what Jesus says, we've got to get into the Word. Now, certainly we've encouraged, and maybe not every week, but probably about every month or two, even though it's November, we continue to bring up the aspect of reading through the Bible. We want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you to read. For some of you, maybe that's reading through the entire Bible in one year. For some, maybe you're using one of those Bible reading guides. Maybe it takes you a couple years to get through, but read God's Word on a regular basis. If you want to learn what Jesus says, read what is written. Man, this is an encouraging, and it's an exciting part. I've mentioned that personally, my goal is to read through the Word of God each and every year. I, I started keeping track of it in 2000. I knew I, I'd read the Bible before. How many times? Not sure. What versions or translations? I don't remember. But in the year 2000, I started keeping a computer file as far as what Bible version or translation I read. And so today in 2022, this will be the 23rd year in a row of reading through God's Word. Those 23 years represent 12 different Bible versions or translations. It's kind of, kind of neat that when you have, uh, well, when you've got a whole bunch of Bibles... On the Bible app, you just do a couple of taps, and you've got an entirely different Bible version or translation. In those earlier years, it was buying some brand new Bibles or asking for them as gifts year after year, but now you just tap on a different one. Learning what Jesus says. We've got to know what's in God's Word and then interact with it. Do you think that it's good just to do it one time, to read the book of Matthew one time in our life? It's good to read it one time. But do you think we know everything God's Word has to say from the book of Matthew by reading it one time? If you have been a Christian and you have been reading the Word of God year after year or going through it, chances are good you still learn more and more and more about God. As a boy, I've mentioned I grew up in, in a pastor's home, so, I mean, we were in church all the time, and I, I was in Sunday school and kids' church and had lots of kids' lessons and youth group and church services. 
went to Bible college, and in Bible college we had chapel services, so we heard the Word of God preached every weekday, Monday through Friday, plus attended church on the weekends, plus had Old Testament and New Testament classes where the Word of God was taught. Well, just because I graduated in 1996 with a Bible degree doesn't mean I know everything about the Word of God. I have been reading and reading and studying the Word of God. As I mentioned, this will be the 23rd official time, but a whole bunch of other times, no doubt. And you know what? Every single year, almost every single day, there's something I keep learning about God. See, a disciple is a learner. Jesus was teaching and instructing, teaching and preaching to his disciples. The encouragement was we would learn what Jesus says. I came across this headline, and it's a long headline, but I promise if you Google this headline, you'll come to this exact article. It's from the Christian Post in 2020. The title of the headline caught the attention. It says, Iranian Christian convert fears execution if deported for giving wrong answers on Bible quiz. Now, that's a mouthful. And I know that doesn't fit really pretty on a printed newspaper page, but that's, that's the title of the article in the Christian Post online. Let's cover it. Iranian Christian convert. A man living in Iran gave his life to Jesus Christ, became a convert, but he fears execution. He fears death if he's deported. Why might he be deported if he gives the wrong answers on a Bible quiz? So I read the article and tried to summarize it here for you. Reza Karka is a former Muslim. He became a Christian while living in Iran, and that's a criminal offense there, punishable by death. For that reason, he fled to the United Kingdom seeking asylum as a refugee. An immigration hearing was scheduled to determine if his claim of conversion and being a Christian is true. The reasoning was, if he truly is a Christian, he would have certain knowledge of the Bible and be able to pass the test. If he doesn't pass, well, then he's faking conversion as a pretext for immigration. We listen to that and we think, wow, that, that would never happen here. But imagine that happening in your life. In other words, they're saying, are you enough of a Christian that you know what Jesus says? So let me ask you, if you were put on trial, if you were handed a Bible test to, to try to prove do you know some stuff about Jesus? Do you think he'd pass? Everybody's getting a little nervous. Everybody's looking around. Well, I think I know. I think I know some stuff about God and his word. What's interesting, the update in there was that he failed the test in part. In part, it didn't really say whether you had to get them all right or percentage right. I mean, it's like, you know, are you an A Christian, B Christian, C Christian, D? I don't know if it was graded on a scale. But he failed in part because he could not remember the disciple who betrayed Jesus. That answer would be Judas. So now, with nothing on the line, we just shout out, Judas! 
What if your very life was on the line? So it's interesting. A true disciple is someone who learns what Jesus says. Now again, it's not just about Bible trivia. It's not just about having facts and finger, uh, figures in your head. It's not just about being able to uh, maybe give the books of the Bible in order from Genesis to Malachi in the Old Testament and Matthew to Revelation in the New Testament and, and know all the different breakdowns of the books of the Bible. Those are all good things. Those are all helpful things. But do we know what it is that's contained in the Word of God? What does Jesus say? See, a disciple is one who learns what Jesus says. And you're saying, man, I am glad I am not quizzed or tested on being a Christian. But are we reading? Are we studying? Are we praying? Are we memorizing? Are we getting into God's word? Are we continually learning? A disciple is a learner. One of the, the buzzwords in today is that leaders are learners. And that's true. Leaders are learners. In other words, you're continually learning, continually growing, maybe reading books or listening to podcasts or going to sessions or seminars or other things to teach and equip you in whatever field of work you might be or certainly in the aspect of being a Christian that we're going to continually learn. We never stop. We never arrive. We never arrive. In fact, sometimes what it seems like is the more and more we know, the more and more we realize, the less we know. I mean, it was something else. Having all of that Bible training as a child and into Bible college and you graduate and you feel pretty good with a degree. You've had all these tests and quizzes and now in... 25 plus years of ministry since, there's a whole lot you realize you still don't know. Are we continuing to grow? Are we continuing to learn in the Word of God? Everybody's got continual learning. Even you know, teachers, many times there's continual learning where you are, in a sense, mandated. You've got to have certain classes or you've got to pick certain classes every year to continue to grow in your field. In sports, man, they continue to learn and grow and practice. I came across this quote. It's about Steph Curry, one of the best basketball players in the world, plays for the Golden State Warriors. Got a number of MVPs, a number of championships, some of which are beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. But one of his coaches says this about Steph Curry. He said he's the most educable player I've ever known, both in terms of his willingness to listen and his ability to absorb and execute. A willingness to listen. There's that desire to learn. One of the best to ever play the game who still wants to learn. It's challenging, it's encouraging, hopefully for you and I, that no matter where you might be in your life with the Lord, for some of you, you've known the Lord for many years. And there's still more to learn. Amen? I've been challenged and encouraged. Certainly, uh, my dad had passed away. It's been over uh, 20 years now. 
But towards his last number of years in life as someone who had been a pastor, someone who has pastored and, and preached for years and years and years, 40 plus years of ministry, he wanted to keep learning. He kept reading. He had all of his books and catalogs and encyclopedias and commentaries, not quite to the, uh, to the stage where everything was online and available to search. He had all the paper books. But it was a great example to me of someone who has preached and pastored for decades saying, I need to keep growing. I need to keep learning more about God. A disciple is someone who learns what Jesus says. It's that lifelong, continual, consistent step by step by step growing in Christ. That's a part of what a disciple is. A disciple learns what Jesus says. But hold on, there's more, like the late night infomercial. It's not just learning what Jesus says, although that's good. Secondly, it's doing what Jesus says. It's not just having information or data or uh, the answers to some Bible trivia questions from the Word of God up here. It's not just, I know what he says. Am I ready and am I actually doing and obeying what he says? You see, a disciple is not just a learner. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus. John chapter 8, 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So these are people who believe. Okay. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. The message puts it this way. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you're my disciples for sure. In other words, what's he saying? You're my, you're my disciples, not just if you know it, but if you actually do it. Do you and I live out what God's word has to say? To live, to dwell, to abide, to hang on to and put into practice what he says. Again, the New Testament uses that word disciple a lot, and it's not just of Jesus. In the word of God there, certainly it uses the word disciple as followers of Jesus, but also mentions disciples who are followers of Moses, the Pharisees, John the Baptist, and Paul. There were so many of these individuals who were learning from and trying to put into practice what they would see. In ancient Judaism, discipleship was taken so seriously that eager disciples would try to follow their rabbi or teacher everywhere. They wanted to see the rabbi not just in a classroom setting, although it wasn't necessarily classroom settings at the time, but in real life. They wanted to see how their rabbi treated his family, handled his money, did his chores. It's not just what does that teacher know, but how does that teacher live? And if I'm going to follow, if I'm going to be a disciple, I want to pattern my life, not just what I know, but pattern how I live after this person. We are to be a disciple, a follower. We're to follow what Jesus does. When Jesus invited some of those disciples, he said to come and to follow me. That was an aspect of surrender, right? 
For many of these disciples, they were out fishing. They left their nets, the word of God says, and followed him. Complete surrender is, I'm leaving this behind to follow after you. Not only am I going to learn what it is that you say, I'm going to do what it is that you say. For many of those individuals with these jobs, some of these were, it's the family business. I mean, their dad was a fisherman and grandpa was a fisherman. I mean, that's kind of what you did. And they said, I'm going to leave all of this stuff behind. and I'm going to follow after you. Jesus says, follow me. The goal is to consider the cost. What does it cost as we leave this behind and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow after you. Not just, I'm going to kind of read a little here and there, and I'll, I'll get a, a basic grasp of what your word says while I live my life the way I want to. But God, I'm going to study and learn what you say, but I'm going to do the very best that I can to live it out. That's what a disciple does. It's not just something that they know, not just something that they've learned, but they're doing what Jesus says. Someone put it this way, being a disciple is more about what happens after church than what happens at church. I like that. I mean, at church, everybody look around. Everybody's in here. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's paying attention. Some of you are taking notes. Okay. So when we come to church, you know, we've got sometimes that church face on. It's how are you doing? Oh, doing great today. I am blessed. For some of you, you're lying. This week stunk. It was terrible. But I'm going to smile anyway. I mean, we, we come to church and we gather around, and it's pretty easy to be a disciple of God in church. Because in church, man, we've got all kinds of opportunities for you to learn what Jesus says. Many of you were here at 930. Sunday school discipleship and some different classes, kids' classes or adult classes, and you're learning what Jesus says in here. Wednesday nights, Bible studies, opportunities to learn what Jesus says. So when we come here, we learn what Jesus says, and we sing and we worship. We do all those kinds of things. It's pretty easy. But it's more about what happens after church. When you head home, or you head out to eat, or you head to school tomorrow, or you head to work tomorrow, whatever the case is, how do you live then? Kind of easy to have the church face on in church. And no matter what was going on, no matter how, how rotten we might have been living last week, we came in feeling pretty good, living pretty good. How do we live after church? Or they put it this way, it's more about what happens Monday through Saturday than just it, as it is on Sunday. How do we live Monday? What about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way to Saturday? I mean, a number of days since the last time of getting together, how do we live? It's more about how we live out there with what we've learned from the Lord in here. How do we do what Jesus says? What would people who know you say about your life? If you go to the 
New Testament in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested. They were brought before some of the religious leaders. And in Acts 4 verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Something about how they lived, it was so evident, it wasn't just that they could answer, you know, some questions on a test and pass. Something was so evident by their lifestyle, how they lived it out in front of everybody else, they took note, they'd been with Jesus. I trust people can be around you. People can hang around you at work or at school and realize and recognize that person spent some time with Jesus. There's something different about them. It's not just a few things up here that they know about God. It's this living relationship, how they live it out for God. That's powerful. So as a disciple, we've got to learn what Jesus says. As a disciple, we've got to do what Jesus says. And finally, as a disciple, we've got to love as Jesus loves. Part of that is loving God wholeheartedly. Not, not just half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. What does Jesus say? Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's not a half-hearted attempt. It's not a half-hearted love. It's wholeheartedly. Jesus went to the cross. That was a wholehearted commitment, loving God with all of who we are. Now, in case you've been wondering, some of you, you jotted it down, and you're like tapping your notes. Pastor, you better get back to this. Luke chapter 14, let's finish the sentence. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must. In this particular version or translation, it says, hate everyone else by comparison. Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. That sounds pretty bold, doesn't it? In comparison, you're going to love God so much, the love for anybody else pales. That's a wholehearted love. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for you. It's a wholehearted love. It's loving one another sacrificially. That can be a challenge. In Matthew chapter 22, after Jesus talked about that, he said, here's you know, the, the first greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. He said the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. In Luke's gospel, Luke gave the the instance of the individual asking questions. And he says, wanting to justify his actions, he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And we spent a, an entire message on this a number of months ago, if you remember, in the parable series, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Jesus told this story about the individual who was beat up. A couple of religious leaders passed by and didn't do anything. And then the Samaritan, hated and despised, was the, the good one who stopped and helped. 
You don't want to talk about sacrificial giving, sacrificial loving, helping someone out who probably hates you in response. And that's the challenge is it's so much easier to love someone who loves you. Right? Family loves you. Friends love you. And we can love them right back. Oh, but I'd venture to say everybody's got at least a someone who rubs you the wrong way. There's someone that when you're around inside, you're just like, oh, they drive me crazy. That person that when, when they're around, they say something to you or their comments towards you and you find it difficult to love them the way you love a family member. That's often human nature. We love those who love us. That wasn't the point of the story. It was the sacrificial love, even for people not like us, who don't necessarily love us already. Loving as Jesus loves is, is doing so wholeheartedly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. John chapter 13, 34 and 5, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And check out that last sentence. He says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. That's a pretty... Broad and blanketed statement. Love one another. He said, he didn't say, they'll know you're my disciples if you love the people who already love you. That's not what he said. He didn't say, they'll know you're my disciples if you love the people who kind of ignore you but tolerate you. He just said, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. Yes, that includes other believers. That includes others who don't know and experience Jesus Christ. It's not just learning what Jesus has to say. Not just doing what he says, but loving as he loves. How can you love someone else? How can you put into practice demonstrating that love? No doubt there's some people that come to mind that you would love to love. And there's some people that come to mind that you just want to forget about. Whoever it is that we encounter, how can we encourage? How can we serve or teach or share or support or pray for? Whether it's people who love you or people who could care less about you. Do we love them as Jesus loves? I'm thankful Jesus loved me. I know you might not, you might not know it, but I can be a stinker sometimes. I'm glad Jesus loved me. Now, some of you are smiling. <laughs> you know you can be a stinker too sometimes, right? Aren't you glad Jesus loved you and Jesus died on the cross for you? Wow. 
Can I love someone else? Can I have that heart for, that desire to love someone else as Jesus has loved me? That's tough. It's a whole lot easier to just start on the first one and say, well, I want to know and learn what Jesus has to say. So let me just read and study and I'll just stop there. That's part of it. A disciple, yes, is a learner. But a disciple is also a follower. Someone who does what Jesus says. And also loves as Jesus loves. 